Hi everyone, welcome back to our little green pasture. Praise the Lord. We praise him night and day and we will always praise him forever and ever. And it's good practice to do it now. You know, once you start practicing praising the Lord, it becomes involuntary. You find yourself praising the Lord and then you become to increase. The more you give unto the Lord, the more you increase in the things of God and decrease in the things of this world and things of yourself. It's so wonderful. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today, about uh, increasing, decreasing and increasing. So before I get started, I am going to pray. Amen. Father in heaven, it is with humble gladness and purest of joy that, Lord, I could be your handmaiden, a simple vessel filled with the excellency of the knowledge of God. So the power may be of you and not of me. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you will make your voice heard in this message and not mine. My human best filled with your Holy Spirit. I offer up myself unto you as that earthen vessel to have your way with. I pray that, Lord, you would open up the ears of those that have come, that they may hear your sound, even though I'm speaking, that your Holy Spirit will take what is of yours and show it to them. I lay myself down and I lift you up. Remain in our presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I want to talk to you who are in several categories of teaching. Some of you are already teaching. Some of you are thinking about teaching. Some of you are feeling a call to teach. And yet, those of you who are listening and you don't feel the call to teach or you don't feel that tug on your heart, this is for you too. Because everybody has something to teach, even in the way you live your life before people in your daily life. You're responsible for that. We're, we are given responsibility and a duty in Christ of those that truly love him. That duty becomes a joy. The common becomes extraordinary. And that's what I want to talk about is those of you who are serious about teaching. And I do this with great caution. I did the best I can in the way I've prayed very much over this, very much. Because these words are to encourage you, to give you some meat to chew on, maybe some milk, the sincere milk of the word for you to drink. But I want to talk about teaching. It's, it's a very distinct call. And... It has to come with assurance. You know, these days, I think you would agree with me that in this world of technology, there's everybody is teaching. There's somebody teaching this view, somebody teaching another view. And there's, I mean, it's just all over the place. But I've always been so deeply, even in my youth, so deeply compelled, attracted to that living water source even as a child many of you can say i have felt it from my childhood there was always something calling me i didn't know it then but i know it now um 
maybe you're brand new in the Lord. And I want to talk to you that are new in the Lord specifically at some point in this talk. Um, and I want to talk to you who have been teaching um, and share with you my thoughts that come from experience. And there's nothing like it, you know. So uh, the Lord give me his spirit in this. I'm going to begin in John 3, 25 through 35. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice this is my joy therefore this is this my joy therefore is fulfilled he must increase but i must decrease now we know that john was the last of the prophets of the old testament um we do know that because it says in Luke 16:16 16, 16, it says for the law and the prophets were until John but until now the kingdom of God is preached um I do believe in prophesying I do believe that we're not to quench prophesyings but we need to be careful of what prophecies we are accepting as coming from God you know most prophecies these days really titillate the flesh they get everybody pumped up in the flesh but there's no witness bearing and we have to be careful because when you start to go down the road of uh listening to too much prophesying then the flesh takes over it just does um but we need to be careful and i'm going to heavily inject the holy spirit into this because um, he is the one who does all the work where it says, uh, let me just go over this a little bit, just a little bit. I'm going to go back and forth to it. You know, it says, um, the Jews that came to him, uh, came to John, uh, said, you know, uh, you bear witness. It says unto him, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom you're bearing witness of. You see, the teacher, and I know what he was. I know that he was the, you know, he was before Jesus, and you, you know the story of John the Baptist. I just want to stick to this because what I'm pulling from it is not to add to it or take away from it, but like a diamond. You see the different cuts and the different flashes of beautiful light. You can see and you can receive instruction by the Holy Spirit. He'll give you something to see. So it says here, to whom thou bearest witness. See, the Holy Spirit was with John the Baptist. He was in the desert until the day of his showing. We know that God spoke to him and said, whom you see the Spirit like a dove come down from heaven and remain on him that is the Christ and so a day came where it was his showing unto Israel and he was baptizing and he was showing things to come the shadow the law is a shadow of things to come Jesus is the fulfillment of the law but the point is when we are teaching if you are not moving by the holy spirit first and foremost then you don't have that witness bearing power in you the third person of the trinity 
you can, and I've been there. I tried, I've tried and I've all admit it. And you know what I love about admitting the stuff I got wrong? There is a beauty, a transparency to say, I got that wrong. Oh, I stepped out. And you know, but each time I got it wrong or went ahead of Jesus Christ or taught something wrong, obviously the Holy Spirit, he was not in it. I was taking what is of mine and trying to wrap it up what I thought should be said and showing it to people and nothing ever came of it. So the witness bearer, the Holy Spirit bears witness of the work in you, the work of the Holy Spirit. It is his work before, during and after. So it says, behold, the same baptizeth and all men come to him. So you see a delineation between John the Baptist and they're saying, yeah, but there's two of you. I mean, you're baptizing here for the remission of sins, but he's baptizing, though Jesus baptized no one, but only his disciples did. And they're aware, but there's someone else. And But you're bearing witness of him. And, and all men are going to him. But his answer was beautiful. He says, a man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven. He puts it back on them and says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I'm sent before him. You know, I am in the book of John right now. And I thought, you know what? There is such a great concentration. And I've been seeing it for a while. But the first time I saw it was a few days ago when I started in the book of John. And I said, hold on a minute. I think I was already like in John 16 or 13, 14 and 15. I was reading. I said, hold on a minute. In all the gospels of the four gospels I have ever read over and over and over. John is rich and super condensed with the word sent. For my father hath sent me whom you see the father hath sent me. There's 42 times, 40 times, 40 times Jesus says, isn't that interesting, the number 40? Jesus says blatantly, for the Father hath sent me. And then we see that he tells his disciples, so there's 42, but you add the two where he tells his disciples, behold, I send you forth as, it says in Luke and Matthew, I send you forth as sheep among wolves be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and then when he sent his disciples it said he sent them two by two that they should go into every city and village and that they would perform under the power by the power in the power of the holy spirit to open the eyes of the blind and do all those miracles you could read that yourself many of you know what i'm talking about and even Jesus Christ, when he came up out of the water and the heavens were opened and John says, behold, I see the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him and remaining upon him. And Jesus went out in that power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't, he was 30 years old at this time, but he didn't do anything. We know as a child he did at 12, but what happened? He was, he went out before he was ready, though, see, it was in his heart. And so he did it all wrong. He did it without the authority. He was still under the authority of his parents, but then he had to get to a place where he went under his father's authority being sent. And of course he came of his own will and volition because they're in perfect harmony, father, son, and Holy Spirit. So where am I getting at? Yes, it says here, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. The body of Christ is the bridegroom, is the bride. And we see that the friend of the bridegroom represents the Jewish body. And that can, that plays out as well. That is actually a prophecy. He's speaking that goes future into the millennial reign. But he's saying the friend of the bridegroom which stands and hears him 
rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must increase. And are we not the friend? Yes, yes, that stands as I just said it. Let me be clear again. That's a prophecy of the Jews for the millennial kingdom when God renews the covenant with them and they become the chief of nations. But are we not the friends of the bridegroom? You know, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus even says in John 14, 13 and 14, he says, you are my friends. He calls them, you are my friends. He said, a servant, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. For a servant doesn't know what his master doeth. But now I have told you all things that my father has said unto me. Therefore, you are my friends, if you do the things I tell you. Now, we are his friend. And don't we stand and hear him? You know, the standing and hearing him, standing really denotes that you're involved in it. You rise up, you stand in something. Yes, I know he's saying the people. Um, you know, the people are standing around, but he's saying the friend of the bridegroom stands and hears him himself. And we're his friends, too. And notice how he says, therefore, is my joy fulfilled. In other words, my work is done. See, when you when you're when you're teaching people, sometimes we don't realize that. And I'm saying this just to put light on you as well as myself, because I've been through it myself. So I'm only speaking about things I've personally experienced, not something I just read in a book. And I think it sounds great. And I'm teaching. I'll never do that with you guys. Let me be very clear with that. Everything I teach you guys, um, I would say there's some things I haven't experienced because it doesn't have anything to do with me experiencing it. But if it's not real to me, then what am I doing? If I have not stood and heard it myself, from my friend, the Lord, capital F, then who am I? Who sent me? And what am I doing? I mean, there, I, I have to increase, I have to decrease, but I have to be able to hear his voice and experience things because when you are teaching people, your life and heart must be in it too. Let me keep going. See, because if you become a necessity to a soul you're teaching, then you're out of God's order. What does that mean? That means if we are not spending time listening to the Holy Spirit, getting his permission to teach, and appearing before him every day in the morning for a fresh anointing, to gather the manna before the sun rises, before it's too late to gather it. I adhere to that. Some of you may think um, this is strict. Listen, this is in a sense very strict, but it's not strict to you if you're being called in as a minister of Christ, executing his word, not mishandling the word of life. There's a responsibility to it. There's a gravity to it. And yes, he lets us some, he, he will let us because he sees that you're, you know, in your beginnings, he's seeing you trying to share the word. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. You can't help but share Christ if you've truly been made alive by the Holy Spirit. Having him living within you, that life explodes. So you can't help but share that joy. But there must be a very sensitive, you have to be very sensitive that you have to spend time with the Lord first, waiting on him, walking quietly in him, waiting patiently for him until you be he begins to stir your heart. And then you teach those things. You can make notes, you can do all these things, but you have to be ready. Just lay it down and trust him in, in the things that you're hearing so that when you are teaching other people, they're not just hearing your voice. They're hearing his sound in you. 
because it's coming from what up in here. You're speaking to them, but it's come from in here, from the wellspring of eternal life within you, wells of living water. They don't know, they want to talk to you and don't mistake it for you having anything special. I don't have anything special. None of us has anything special. We're all weak and it's very simple. It is very simple. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. That's what David said. And so when they begin to hear your voice and next thing you know, they start hanging on you and everything you say, what you say, what you say, what I say, what I say, what we want to do is as teachers is we want to hear his voice first. We want the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We want the permission of the Holy Spirit to go forward. And then he releases his living water so that they are hearing his voice. They may not realize it, but we're training them to hear his voice and not rely on us. And this is a big problem because so many people are saying, well, I am of Paul, but I am of, of Apollos. And, you know, we've all done I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. You know, he says, Paul plants, Apollos plants, Paul plants, Apollos waters, but it's God that gives the increase. See, there's something that starts to happen when you are teaching and you are truly called into teaching. It's going to be the, it's, it will, when you start to enter into it, um, it's good. And, and it doesn't happen overnight. There's a gradual build up to that place of maturity in your life. You know, there's so many people out there that don't have any rooting and grounding and they're hearing these big doctrines of uh, soteriology and hermeneutics and all these things. And what happens to the young ones, and I'm speaking to you too, don't get caught up in that so much, trying to learn the higher doctrines when you're not rooted or grounded, because what happens is the enemy is going to puff you up and you're not going to realize it because it feels very powerful to be able to say, oh, I understand what this means. And you could deal out some truths and it sounds really good, but you are absolutely still a baby. You are not qualified really yet. And I'm talking deliberately to you that are called being a worker. Again, if you think you're being called, let it speak to you. And remember, there's always work to you. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one thought. Because you see, it means that we're to train a person not to rely on our voice, but on his voice. So that there is a continual stream. So that when other people hear them speak, they'll hear his voice and rejoice. You see, the people that hear good teaching, when I hear solid good teaching, I know my master's voice. I hear it. And it's the Holy Spirit, the witness bearer of Jesus Christ is bearing witness of that word. Therefore, I rejoice. There is rejoicing. And then therefore, it's where joy is fulfilled. And then we're able to say, oh, right? Because John the Baptist was out there doing his thing until he heard Jesus speak, until he heard God's, the Father speak. This is my beloved son whom I love, of whom I am well pleased. In that moment, he said, oh, is my joy fulfilled? He said, when they said, why are all, he said, well, all men are going to him. You know, but they're coming to you, but all men are going to him. He said, a man can receive nothing except to be given to him from above. You see, if you've been truly born again from above, then your ear has been opened. Isaiah chapter 50, verse four. Isaiah says, for thou hast given unto me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to give an answer in season unto him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He awaketh my ear as of the learned. You see, there's nothing that belongs to us. There's nothing we could do. We can lay all on the altar, but there has to come 
what is given to us from above. And when that moment happens, because it is a moment that will happen to you, you will bow and say, there is nothing I can give. Only his, I must decrease. That Christ will increase in me. See, the friend of the bridegroom rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. You know, this is spoken with joy and not with sadness. He's not like, you know, he didn't, he could have taken his call. He could have went on with it. No, he, he was arrested later and died soon after his job was done. This is spoken with joy and not with sadness. John says, this is his joy. It is an absolute effacement of the worker that he's never thought of again. That is a, a, a way to hear it. It is absolute effacement of the worker, of me being a worker, of you being a worker that I'm never thought of again, that you are never thought of again. And something happens. Let me just tell you what happens. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that he begins to cast out of you and get rid of everything that stands in the way between you and him because he gets serious. There comes a point where he knows who he called. And maybe you may be called one or two times through your life. See, there's different callings to preach, to teach, to share, to give. But it he's not going to share his glory with another. God says he makes the glory of man to wither like a moth. He makes his beauty to be consumed like a moth. You know, watch for all your worth until you hear the bridegroom's voice in the life of another through your life. Rejoice. Once your rejoice. And isn't there a rejoicing when you hear him speak to you in his word? It may be a word here, a word there. You know, and when God does that work in his worker, you may see him wreck a life before he saves it. Because you see, there is a destruction the Holy Spirit does. I was reading about Nehemiah after the temple was built and he went back to work. And uh, he came back, he heard, it was said to him, just to let you know, uh, Tobias was given a room, Sanballat. Tobias is his son-in-law, enemies of God. Yeah, just to let you know, Tobias, Sanballat gave him a room in the temple, which is the room that has, which is the storehouse of all the offerings, the you know, all the offerings that you give all, and you could read it yourself. And so he went down there and he said, when I went down there, he said, I threw him out and I cast out all of his stuff. And, you know, isn't that the work of the Holy Spirit? He will, he's not going to, he, he doesn't want any rival. So understand, you know, some, again, some of you may go, well, this is like Jesus says, this is like his people said around him, this is hard. A hard word, how could we hear it? Like this may not be for everybody, but I'm just saying this. There's something about hearing the sound of his voice. And you don't just want to hear it once. And when is yes, when you're doing devotions through your life, there's that personal engagement, communion with God above. And, you know, everything we're receiving, we're receiving from above. Notice everything we try to accumulate in our life. We start letting Tobias move in with all of his stuff. In, his, in the word, it says he moved in with a bunch of his stuff. You see, and it takes over the offerings that that room was meant for in the temple. We give room to horizontal religious teachings. If you are truly called of God and you love the Lord and you have that heart pound and something growing deeper and deeper and deeper because when you're called to do something it only gets deeper and deeper 
and then you and there's different phases of it then you become to agonize and then what you did before what seemed easy all of a sudden becomes harder and the longer that you're in it the harder it is to do this in a way because um it is a greater spiritual work that you're doing it's not something you take overnight because you read a book or you had classes a lot of most of the time i will say all that intellectual study has shut the voice of god out of the lives of people who have gone so into high studies and intellectualism and of course i will say this we do need to understand this and understand that but that is not a relationship with god the relationship with jesus christ that you have begins before you even go out to, to minister in his name and to work for him you have to be you have to uh wait patiently for him he doesn't mind if you go out share a little word here and there but I'm talking about when you lock in and you engage with him, you enter into something that it begins to undo who you are. That's what happened to me when he called me into a life of prayer. Uh, and if I may, let me just share it with you a little bit. So just so I can give a, a little detail and it'll be a minute. Um, I was always praying all the time. My mother taught me to pray when I was a child. And God was always in me working. I didn't know it was him, but fast forwarding, I became saved. I was always talking to God. There was such an ease to it. There still is today. I'm just talking about my 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 early days, my earliest days as a young girl. Um, there came a point um, in my later 20s that I, uh, no, I was in my, I think I was 30. I had just turned 30, 31, something like that. And I was, my husband went to work, kids uh, were in school, and I was sat down to pray. And all of a sudden, I felt my, my mouth just stop shut, just like that. And I felt the presence of the Lord, and I heard his voice, that unmistakable voice within, say to me, from now on, I want you to ask me to teach you how to pray. Now, my carnal mind said, but I'm already praying, but I knew I had heard the voice of God. And so I was very serious about it, not knowing what would happen, not knowing what it meant, but that's what he said to do. I was prepared to pray as long as he wanted. So I was so serious about it. I said to him, I am going to trust you with my children, with my husband, with all that I pray for on a daily basis. I'm going to give it over to you and trust you to carry it. And the only thing I'm going to say to you, Lord, is teach me how to pray. Two weeks later, and it, I would just pray and I'd sit there and nothing would happen. And it was just quiet and I would just trust him. And I went on and there was two weeks later and I was, I got up, I prayed, Lord, teach me how to pray. Nothing two weeks I thought well time to start my housework so I wanted to go make the bed I went into my bedroom and the power of the Holy Spirit came down upon me so powerfully and it was like a waterfall and I went down on my face I'm not saying I flapped down I mean I, I just went down on my knees and I felt like that wasn't low enough and I went down on my face and I stayed there for hours. And I mean, I got up, I moved around. Um, I knew I had to get things done. I did. He allowed me to go do these things. But let me tell you something from that day forward for six years, my life turned inside out and upside down. He took me into disciplines of prayer. No human being could have taught me, no book, no one before me. And it was powerful. And one day I will go through that with you. But he took me through disciplines. And you know what? He taught me how to pray. I'm still learning. Because he takes you different degrees of higher, higher. There's no end. And it was powerful. And there was such agonizing. And I had to live a human life and take care of children and food and life. But within was like a torrent within me. And I was up in the middle of the night and I was pacing back and forth. And I felt like 
Job saying, where is he that I may find him that I may go to him? That's all I'm going to say. See, it happens like that. Something comes in where you're like, you walking in from one room into another room and you say something has happened to me in him. I know it. I can feel it. And, you know, another thing, people around you are going to try and talk you out of it. They're going to tell you, they're going to say you're over spiritualizing. You're going to lose all of your friends. People are going to call you a fool. Um, you're going to trust yourself to people that you think are, uh, well, they know so much more about the Lord. It could be a pastor. It could be an elder. It could be someone who you know down the street you become friends with. And you try to tell them something is happening to me and they put you down. It becomes a life where God says, now it's between me and you. And that's the power of it. Now he's taken your life. And you start to walk in that life and you don't understand what's happening to you. It's too great for words. You don't understand what's going on, but there you are impelled from deep within and you're, the world looks different to you. What was important to you before is burned up. Like I said, like a moth in the flame. It says the vanity of man is burned up like a moth, the beauty of man, which is nothing our eyes begin to be opened. Our ears begin to hear his voice more clearly because you see God is serious when he puts a call on your life. And it may not even be a call to preach your word, but when he puts a call on your life, you become another woman. You become another man. You become where he is able. He does this work in you where he is able to say, this is God. This is my woman. And this is my man. And you begin to go and you move in that and you there will be contention and there will be things and strife and wars. So when I said you may see Christ wreck a life before he saves it um, or uses it rather, is that he is destroying everything that even that he sees because he's now he is wrapping you up in jealous love. And you know what? In your heart, you're saying you're engaging God. And though you know nothing and it's overwhelming and sometimes the power, it's too much. You cannot take it. But you say you keep going because you understand he's picked up your life. You know, it says in Psalm 27, 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You know what I think to myself? The Lord doesn't just take you up. He takes you in and he puts, he puts a new garment on you. It's like, it's like when they, Pharaoh, Joseph was sent for Pharaoh. They said he washed, they washed him. They shaved him. They took off the prison clothes. They said, put this on. You got to appear before that the king, even though he was a heathen. But the principle is um, he stood before that king being tried in that prison. He was tried. See, there's a lot of trial. See, before the, before God can trust you with his word, there has to be a lot of suffering involved in your life. There has to be a lot of trial. I'll tell you something. For me, I can hear sermons until the cows come home. But the one person I will hear with the ears that God has given me to hear is from the man or the woman who has said, I have that he brought me through the fire and through the water, but he brought me out into a wealthy place. I hear his voice in them because see, they heard his voice. And now that voice, though they're speaking, you hear his sound in them. So when you're teaching somebody else, you're going to be teaching them from things from your own life. Jesus says in John 17, 20, not only do I pray for them, but also for those who through their word um, will bring others to me, he said. See, your testimony is not, well, I did several years at, you know, uh, university and uh, I was trusted with a Sunday school class. No, you know what you're entrusted with? You're entrusted with eternal life. And the work begins with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle, when he said in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5, he said, when I first came unto you, brethren, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed unto you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
For when I came to you, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. For my message was not with wise or persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Moses endured, for he saw God who was invisible. Blessed is the man, David said, whom God chooses and causes him to approach unto him that he may dwell in his courts. Blessed is the man whom who uh, hears the voice of God. Blessed is that man who waits at his gates daily, waiting at his gates, uh, waiting at watching at his gates, waiting at the posts of his doors for whoso finds him finds life. You know, everything that God is in has put in you, and this goes for everybody, whether you are ever going to teach, his life is meant to flow out. It's, I read in Song of Solomon today, it said, come into my garden, my spouse, and, and blow upon my spices and let, this, and let the fragrance flow out. I mean, look at, I mean, I love what Amy Carmichael says. She said, look at a flower. A flower doesn't force its smell on you. It just, it just is. And we come into his presence, but it's a quiet flower. Flower sits there and releases this presence of the smell, not a presence, a, a smell. You love it so much. You want to be there and continue to smell it. See, that is the way it is supposed to be. You know, I want to read something to you that really blessed me that Oswald Chambers wrote in his diary. And this was when he was really working it out because he knew he had a call on his life and he had a great university training. He was going on into the arts, high arts, and he was part of um, the Royal Arts School before it was called the Royal, uh, uh, Royal College of Arts. And he was... He was in that agony of um, praying. Listen to his own words. The Holy Spirit must anoint me for the work, fire me, and so vividly convince me that such and such a way is mine to aim at, or I shall not go. I will not. I dare not. I shall just be content to earn my living, but no, that cannot be from my early childhood. The persuasion has been that of a work, a strange and great, strange and great as experience, deep, peculiar. It has haunted me ever and ever. It spoke clearly to me about my coming here, and I came, but now the mists of the mists have risen and chased and seethe up all through my soul, and nothing is distinct. There seems to be a great flood tide bearing me out, bearing me out, and all voices grow fainter. You know, that's so important to say. See, when God is drawing you in to that work that he has, whatever, I'm just going to put it out there, whatever that work may be, he's calling you. It's good. Everything of this world is going to grow fainter. Everything you ever did before becomes colorless and faint and fades away like a shadow. He says, I am afraid I am so sordid and earthly for God to speak to and inspire, but I will wait for a heavenly vision in this matter. No, no man by mere high human wisdom would dare undertake a step for Jesus' sake unless he knows that the Holy Spirit has directly spoken to him. And until he comes, I shall not go. Here is the lamb and the wood, but where is the fire? Nothing but the love of the most Holy Spirit of God can make the offering holy and unblameable and acceptable in his sight. I want to share another thing with you. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I thought, Lord, I was thinking about um, certain things I had learned and read, and I was kind of processing it with other for, for other reasons. And I was just quiet before him. And I said, oh, those people back then, Lord. I said, oh, look at us here in this generation. We're a bunch of wild people. 
I said, look at me, Lord. Look at how I'm raised in this last generation. It's wild. There's a million different people teaching. You're, everything's shattered. Truth has fallen in the street. I said, these people were mighty. They were powerful. I said, but I suppose they were for their generation. And I heard that still small voice say to me, what they were in their generation, you can be. And it's by my spirit. See, because what they were in their generation, you know, we tend to look at the man, oh, look at this missionary, look at them. Yes, and we honor those whose honor is due and we love them. We love them. But you see, they were powerful because they agonized and they waited for God, for that incoming of the Holy Spirit. Yes. If you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, good. But it has a whole lot more to do than just, I'm going to do this in the Lord and going to do that in the Lord and do this. It's it's more than just having that in hand because we said, okay, I've laid my life upon the altar. We have to even say, we have to get to the point. I'm just saying from experience where you go, I, I can lay my life on the altar all day long. I'm saying this to the Lord. I say, but Lord, you are the Lord. I know what I am and I know what I'm not. I love the play on words. Paul the Apostle says, you know, I was a blasphemer. I was a, a, a perjurer and injurious. He talked about what kind of a wicked man he was. He was a murderer. And he talked about the disciples. Look at all them who went before me. He said, but I am what I am by the grace of God. And I think, yes, I can say that about myself and so can you. You can say, I am what I am by the grace of God, but not as a condens, um, you know what I'm saying, a condemning, self-condemning, like, oh, look at me. I am what I am. I'm sorry about it, Lord. I, I know you're stuck with such a spineless weakling and I know I can never amount to anything like you. It's like, that's not why he said that. You should never say that too, even though we all have. The I am that I am has made it possible for you to say, I am that I am causes you to say, I am what I am by his grace. When God finally spoke to Oswald, there came a moment where he did hear God and Jesus spoke to him and said, I want you in my service, but I can do without you. Spoken by a true king. A friend of mine, Dave Neal, and I won't keep going. A friend of mine, Dave Neal, was from England, and he spent time at Reese Howell's college, if you're aware of who he is. Um, he became a great friend of mine through wonderful means. and. Um, he had told me that uh, he moved here from England anyways. Um, he's a powerful intercessor. He's home with the Lord now. Um, he, I asked him one day, how are you doing, Dave? And he said, well, I got to speak at um, a church, a big church in uh, Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. He said, I've always wanted to be a speaker at the men's conference. And I said, wow, Dave, that's really wonderful. And he said, yes. However, I go, what? He said. Well, I was waiting in the green room. I was walking back and forth praying. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, thank you that you needed me to be here. And I thank you so much that you called me here and that you needed me. He said, right then God spoke to him and he said, I did not choose you because I needed to. He said, but because I wanted to. Listen, something has to happen to you and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and it takes patience. Pride puts you before him. And I want to say this. Um, you'll never be the same again. Are you willing? Are you willing to allow Jesus Christ to do that with you? Because when he trusts and trusts you to truly 
handle his word of life, the Holy Spirit will come. God will come to you and he will change your life. It's a commission. It's a true commission. And for you uh, that are young, stop trying to climb the mountain and swim in waters that are too deep for you. Stop it. You know why? Because you will become prideful. You will become arrogant and you will never grow in the grace and knowledge of God. See, you must decrease. If you've heard his voice, those who truly stand by and hear his voice rejoice and their joy is fulfilled. And then you're able to bow down and stay down and say, I must, not I will, I, I'm going to try. Something happens from that point forward where you humble yourself and say, I must decrease. Because when you decrease, he increases. And of the increase and of his government, there shall be no end. You see, when you decrease, more of God increases in you, the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle said, I will come unto you shortly, but I will not, if, if God wills it. And I will not know the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You see, he understood that. See, there's power. But if you are executing some kind of, I'm going to teach, I'm going to do it anyways. And you're like, oh, because we've all heard it. You know, people like, I don't know, I'm really struggling. You know what? The water doesn't struggle. See, in this land, there's drought. In this world, there's a terrible drought, but there's no drought in God. His living waters can never cease from flowing, but we block the way. And you younger ones, be still, be patient, and desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. increase with the increase of God. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Jesus called him the teacher in John 16. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. You'll grow in degrees of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and you must be filled with the love of God. And that must be the foundation of all the work you will ever do. Okay? So, to you who are being called, this is a serious word. Be very careful. Go back. Many of you need to go back. You need to just stop and go back. Stop trying to grab things here and there to come up with a message. Because what the Holy Spirit gives you and works in you will be that they hear the voice of Jesus Christ in you. And they will rejoice and not hang on you. And they will not be a respecter of persons. But they will be filled with joy because he had, they have heard the voice of the beloved like the woman in Song of Solomon who said, I sleep, but my heart awaketh. It is the voice of my beloved knocking, saying, Come unto me, my beloved my sister, my spouse, come away with me. And then you rise up and you go in the Great Commission.